0: Chapter 23 of Blind Love. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Mark Thomas, Waterlooville, UK. Blind Love by Wilkie Collins and Walter Besant. Chapter 23 News of Iris. After his interview with the Irish Lord, Mountjoy waited for two days in the expectation of hearing from Iris. No reply arrived had Mr Vimpany failed to forward the letter that had been entrusted to him. On the third day, Hugh wrote to make inquiries. The doctor returned the letter that had been confided to his care, and complained, in his reply, of the ungrateful manner in which he had been treated. Miss Henley had not trusted him with her new address in London, and Lord Harry had suddenly left Redburn Road, bidding his host goodbye in a few lines of commonplace apology, and nothing more. Mr Vimpany did not deny that he had been paid for his medical services, but he would ask was nothing due to friendship was one man justified in enjoying another man's hospitality and then treating him like a stranger i have done with them both and i recommend you my dear sir to follow my example in those terms angry and sober doctor expressed his sentiments and offered his advice mountjoy laid down the letter in despair his last poor chance of preventing the marriage depended on his still being able to communicate with iris and she was as completely lost to him as if she had taken flight to the other end of the world it might have been possible to discover her by following the movements of lord harry but he too had disappeared without leaving a trace behind him the precious hours and days were passing and hugh was absolutely helpless tortured by anxiety and suspense he still lingered at the hotel in london more than once he decided on giving up the struggle and returning to his pretty cottage in scotland more than once he deferred taking the journey at one time he dreaded to hear that Iris was married if she wrote to him. At another time he felt mortified and disappointed by the neglect which her silence implied. Was she near him or far from him? In England or out of England? Who could say? After more weary days of waiting and suffering a letter arrived, addressed to Mountjoy in a strange handwriting and bearing a postmark of Paris. The signature revealed that his correspondent was Lord Harry. His first impulse was to throw the letter into the fire unread. There could be little doubt, after the time that had passed, of the information that it would contain. Could he endure to be told of the marriage of Iris by the man who was her husband? Never. There was something humiliating in the very idea of it. He arrived at that conclusion, and what did he do in spite of it? He read the letter. Lord Harry wrote with scrupulous politeness of expression, he regretted that circumstances had prevented him from calling on mr mountjoy before he left england after the conversation that had taken place at mr vimpany's house he felt it his duty to inform mr mountjoy that he had insured his life and he would add for a sum of money amply and more than amply sufficient to provide for his wife in the event of her surviving him lady harry desired her kind regards and would write immediately to our old and valued friend in the meantime, he would conclude by repeating the expression of his sense of obligation to Mr Mountjoy. Hugh looked back at the first page of the letter in search of the writer's address. It was simply Paris. The intention to prevent any further correspondence or any personal communication could hardly have been more plainly implied. In another moment, the letter was in the fire. In two more days, Hugh heard from Iris. She, too, wrote regretfully of the sudden departure from England adding however that it was her own doing a slip of the tongue on lord harry's part in the course of conversation had led her to fear that he was still in danger from political conspirators with whom he had imprudently connected himself she had accordingly persuaded him to tell her the whole truth and had thereupon insisted upon immediate departure for the continent she and her husband were now living in paris lord harry having friends in that city whose influence might prove to be of great importance to his pecuniary prospects some sentences followed, expressing the writer's grateful remembrance of all that she had owed to Hugh in the past days, and her earnest desire that they might still be able to hear of each other from time to time by correspondence. She could not venture to anticipate the pleasure of receiving a visit from him under present circumstances, but she hoped he would not object to writing to her, addressing his letters for the present to post-restant. In a postscript, a few words were added, alluding to Mr. Vimpany, he was requested not to answer any inquiries which that bad man might venture to make relating to her, to her husband or to herself in the bygone days she had been thankful to the doctor for the care which he had taken medically speaking of rhoda bonnet but since that time his behaviour to his wife and the opinions which he had expressed in familiar conversation with lord harry had convinced her that he was an unprincipled person all further communication with him if her influence could prevent it must come to an end still as far as ever from feeling reconciled to the marriage mountjoy read this letter with a feeling of resentment which disinclined him to answer it he believed quite erroneously that iris had written to him under the superintendence of her husband there were certain phrases which had been as he chose to suspect dictated by lord harry's distrust jealous distrust perhaps of his wife's friend mountjoy would wait to reply until as he bitterly expressed it iris was able to write to him without further assistance of her master again he thought of returning to scotland and again he hesitated on this occasion he discovered objections to the cottage which had not occurred to him while iris was a single woman the situation was solitary his nearest neighbours were fishermen here and there at some little distance there were only a few scattered houses inhabited by retired tradesmen further away yet there was the country seat of an absent person of distinction whose health suffered in the climate of Scotland. The lonely life, in prospect, on the shores of the Solway, now daunted Mountjoy for the first time. He decided on trying what society in London would do to divert his mind from the burdens and anxieties that weighed upon it. Acquaintances, whom he had neglected, were pleasantly surprised by visits from their rich and agreeable young friend. He attended dinner parties. He roused hope in mothers and daughters by accepting invitations to balls. He reappeared at his club. Was there any relief to his mind in this? Was there even amusement? No. He was acting a part, and he found it hard task to keep appearances. After a brief and brilliant interval, society knew him no more. Left by himself again, he enjoyed one happy evening in London. It was the evening on which he relented, in spite of himself, and wrote to Iris. End of chapter 23. Recording by Mark Thomas. Waterlooville, UK.